A few weeks ago, Lee, uh, Pastor Lee taught uh, a passage in Ephesians that talked all about the unity of the church. And that's a big portion of what, what Ephesians is about. It's about unity of the local body of Christ and how we're all different people from different backgrounds, from different races, from different um, uh, um, upbringings. And what the, uh, what the church is supposed to be is Christ unifying all of those things into one. And so while we're all different, we're all unified. Now, immediately after that, Paul then starts to go into um, how uh, wives and husbands should interact with each other. And then after that, starts to go into children. This is how you should interact with your parents. And parents, this is how you should interact with your children. I don't think that's any coincidence at all. I don't think that Paul saying unity of the church is of the utmost importance and then talks about the family. Here's what I think he's getting at there is that if we want any shot at having unity in the body of Christ in this room, it has to start with the family. If your family is not unified, we have no shot at having the church be unified. And so I think that's what Paul is getting at here um, as we dig into today's passage. And so I'm happy to be able to talk to you today about this. If we can go and stand up together as we read God's word, we are in Ephesians chapter 6. Verses 1 through 4. And it says this. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, because this is right. All right, let's shut our Bibles. Let's go home. That's all we need, right? Amen. Amen. No, you're not getting off that easy. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, because this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise, so that it may go well with you, and that you may have a long life in the land Fathers, don't stir up anger in your children, but bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word, and I thank you, God, um, that, uh, that you give us the incredible blessing and responsibility of being able to um, bear children and raise them up. And so, God, I pray right now as we dig into your word for a few minutes that we would come before humbly, um, yielding ourselves to your wisdom and not our own. Um, that if we were able to pull up all of our wisdom, it wouldn't even come close to what you have for us. And so I pray that we would just put aside our own cultural understanding of things and just dig into your word, uh, which is timeless, that, that will stand the test of time, that um, when everything else fades away, the word of the Lord stands forever. And so God, I pray that we would come to your word with that uh, reverence and that humility. That's in your son's name I pray. Amen. All right, you can have a seat. Well, like I said earlier, uh, I am a relatively new parent. I have a beautiful daughter named Lottie, and she is a year and a half old, actually, in the announcements that you saw earlier, that baby. That was my baby. Pretty cute, huh? Um, And so uh, it's been an interesting year and a half. Uh, parenting that child. And um, if you would have asked me prior to having a baby what my thoughts were on parenting, they would be completely different than what my thoughts are today. The things that I thought were going to be problems ended up not being problems, and there was stuff that I didn't even know anything about. So for example, if you would have asked me prior to having a baby, what's the biggest issue that you'll think you have? I thought it was going to be poopy diapers. I thought if I can just conquer that hurdle of poopy diapers, uh, by the way, uh, do y'all want to be grossed out? 
You want to do that? Okay, I got sure. I didn't tell you. This is a second service exclusive. I didn't even tell the first service this. Um, so whenever we had Lottie, um, oh gosh, why am I telling the story? Um, whenever we had Lottie, uh, she had to go to the NICU, and um, uh, my wife, Randy, uh, had to stay on bed rest uh, for some of the uh, drugs they gave her to wear off and that. So I went up to the NICU one of the first times um, afterwards. I was making sure that Randy was okay, then I went up to uh, see the NICU. And uh, I get up there. Now, disclaimer, I've never done anything with babies before. I don't know anything about babies. Uh, and I went up there, and the nurse, I was just looking at Lottie, and the nurse was like, oh, she needs a diaper change. Do you want to change her? And I was like, okay. Like, I can't say no. I mean, she's my baby. Uh, and so, again, nothing, knew nothing about babies. That, parents, you know, those first couple of diaper changes is like this, like, Tar. I told you. I asked you if you wanted to be grossed out. Y'all said yes. It's like this tar. That was my first experience changing a diaper. I learned real quick. Anyways, that being said, I thought that poopy diapers was going to be the worst of my issues uh, coming into uh, uh, raising a child. The worst issue is teething. Oh my gosh. If your baby is teething, they're having a bad day. And if your baby's having a bad day, guess who also is having a bad day? you're going to have a bad day. Another thing I thought, I thought prior to having a baby that when, like, like, you know, you walk into a room and there's a baby sleeping and they say, shh, the baby's sleeping, right? Uh, everyone know that? Okay. I always thought that that was for the sake of the baby. No, it's for the sake of the parents. <laughs> your child sleeping is your only break. <laughs> and so if, if I just spent an hour trying to get that baby to sleep and you walk in the room and wake her up, I'm going to be upset because that was, that was Chris time and you just removed Chris time. Anyways, okay. <laughs> oh, goodness. My wife is probably cringing over there. Um, I've also learned that it works best when you and your spouse schedule your mental breakdowns at different times. <laughs> My wife is laughing because she knows. <laughs> I've also learned um, that kids like to copy what you do. Um, so it used to be really cute. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, a lot of you know, first learning to talk. And so you're like, da, 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 da. And she's like, ah, wah, wah, wah. Um, or, or you're trying to get her to clap and you would like clap. And she's like can't like quite figure it out. Well, the day that it stopped being cute uh, was uh, she started walking, you know, when they start walking, they start getting into trouble. And so she went over to the washing, the dishwasher, and was trying to pull it down and in the dishwasher's knives. Uh, so obviously I can't let her go do that. So I walk over there and I, I close the dishwasher and I said, no, don't do that. And she looked at me and she went, <laughs> started pointing back at me. And I was so conflicted because on one hand, I was like, oh my gosh, this is the cutest thing ever. She's like pointing at me. Then on the other hand, I'm like, oh my gosh, she's copying what I'm doing. And then it clicked into my mind, safe space, safe space. I'm not always the most patient person in the world. And I sometimes lose my temper. And I sometimes don't use the best words uh, to communicate my feelings. And all of that was going through my head as she started copying me. I'm like, oh no, 
She's learning everything I'm doing. Oh no. That should scare you, parents. That should scare you. Okay, this is what brings us into our passage. So, in this passage today, go ahead and pull up verse 2. Uh, so it says this, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. And here was the promise, like hearken all the way back to the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament. And this is verse three. So that it may go well with you and that you may have a long life in the land. That was the whole purpose of the honor your father and mother and obey your parents was um, that your parents are going to have your best interest in mind and they're going to raise you up to be a faithful follower of Christ. And because of that, you will have a long life in the land. Now, here's the question. Since our children mimic us, right? If your child was to listen, obey, and honor everything that you said and did, would they come out the other side a faithful follower of Christ? That's kind of a scary question. Because we can say things all day long. We can teach our kids something all day long, but at the end of the day, they're going to start mimicking your actions. And I think too often... What we have is this cultural Christianity where we come to church on Sundays and we tell our kids, hey, you need to be Christians, you need to follow the Lord, you need to to, uh, follow his word. And then those same parents go home and they treat their spouse really poorly. And they treat their kids really poorly. And what those kids see, they don't hear, I need to follow the Lord. What they see is, you're not following the Lord. And you don't care anything about following the Lord, so why should I? And we're seeing this in the the younger generations, the millennial generation, which is uh, what I'm part of, and Generation Z, Gen Z, which is uh, the current generation in schools right now. What we're seeing with them is a mass exodus out of the church. And I think the reason is, is because these generations have grown up seeing their parents say one thing and then do something different. So what I want to talk about today is if our children were to follow us, listen to us, do everything that we did, would they come out the other side, a faithful follower of Christ, and because of that, all will go well with them in the land? I want to talk about that today and answer that question. And to get to that, uh, I want to present to you uh, three parenting principles um, that uh, come from the Bible. Again, I'm, I'm not ignorant enough to know that there are people in here who are much better parents than I am. Like I, in the, the realm of parenting, I am the least of them. But luckily, I'm not up here giving you Chris's advice. I'm up here giving you scripture. And so uh, as we dig into this, uh, let's see what God has for us in this topic of parenting. Right, so the first thing I want to talk about is um, Uh, The first parenting principle is to discipline yourself more than you discipline your child. And so I I got you a little bit because normally when we talk about parenting, normally we go straight to discipline. Like, yeah, we need to get those kids and tell them what to do and and make them obey. Uh, But no, I'm going to flip that around on its head a little bit and say, uh, before you even think about disciplining your kids, you need to discipline yourself. Uh, For a few reasons, but most importantly, um, it's every Christian's duty to 
discipline themselves, to, to, um, to train themselves, to grow in the Lord. Uh, and too many adults have built it up in their mind that just because they're adults, they don't have to work on themselves anymore. They don't have to discipline themselves anymore. And, and especially parents, uh, like parents, once you have that kid, now the thought process is, I'm the one that disciplines, not the one that gets disciplined, right? But that couldn't be the furthest thing from biblical truth. Paul, in the Bible, said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 26. He says this, So I do not run like one who runs aimlessly or box like one beating the air. Instead, I discipline my body and bring it under strict control. Now, if you're a novice to the Bible or, or don't know a whole lot about it, Paul may be one of the greatest spiritual giants in the Bible. Like, like he almost single-handedly caused the explosive growth of Christianity in the New Testament. And we've got Paul here, maybe the one guy who doesn't need to discipline himself and train himself, saying, I discipline my body and bring it under strict control. To, to bring it into a little bit more context, this passage that he's talking about is he's relating our discipline to that of a professional athlete. In the same way that professional athletes beat their bodies into submission and under control, so do I and so should we. And you would think, just kind of like normal thinking, you would think that pro athletes, like the, like the really good guys um, in basketball and, and football and the Olympics and stuff, you would think that they don't need to train a whole lot. But that's actually the furthest thing from the truth. Uh, I actually, I Googled um, uh, like pro athletes training schedules. And it's pretty interesting. You should go look at it later. Uh, but um, what I found is these pro athletes are good for a reason. It's because they spend countless hours a day focusing very intently on training themselves and disciplining themselves. One that I found uh, was an Olympic athlete, and it gave their easy training days and their hard training days. Their easy training days is more activity than I've done in the past five years, right? Um, their easy training day had five miles of running. Their easy training day had a mile of swimming, and weightlifting. It's like six to eight hours a day of training. And if you were to ask those athletes, hey, why you're, you're like the best in your class. Why are you training so much? They would tell you, the moment I stop training is the moment I stop being the best. And the same is true with us. I don't care if you're 75 or seven years old, um, whether you're a baby Christian, a spiritual giant, um, everyone is subject to this. Everyone needs to discipline themselves and bring their body under strict control because the moment you let it go, the moment it's going to start heading in the other direction. So you need to parent, or sorry, you need to discipline yourself, spend time training yourself. And if you're a parent, you need to discipline yourself more than you do so your child. And one of the great things that happens with that is, um, like I mentioned earlier, Lottie is starting to mimic everything that I do. If you spend your time working incredibly hard on yourself to, to make yourself a better husband, a better wife, a better parent, a better co-worker, um, a better um, church member, a better follower of Christ. If you spend your time investing in that, and that is incredibly important to you, what is your child going to start doing? They're going to see that that's important, and they're going to start doing the same. Our children need to see 
our children not, don't just need to hear what to do, but they need to see what to do. They need an example. Titus 2, uh, 6 through 7 says this. In the same way, encourage the young men to be self-controlled in everything. Make yourself an example of good works with integrity and dignity and in your teaching. Now, now the greater context of this is that... Um, they were addressing, like, how do we handle, like, mentor relationships uh, in the church? And so, like, how are the older men supposed to act? How are the uh, older women supposed to act? Younger women, younger men. And they said this right after all that, right after saying young men to be self-controlled in everything, he immediately said, make yourself, not the young men, yourself, the leader, make yourself an example of good works with integrity and dignity in your teaching. If we want the people that we're raising to, to grow up in the Lord, to see what it's like to be a faithful follower of Christ, to see what it's like to be a functional adult, we have to provide them the example. We have to show them what it looks like. And, and our kids are watching every move we make, and it doesn't matter how much we say to them, it's going to be what we do. And I can give you a, a number of different um, examples in this. Uh, I'll just give you one that I think is most prominent. Um, we all teach our kids to respect authority, right? Like, like that's one of the first things we do. Like, hey, you respect me as a parent. If an adult comes up to you, that's something you respect them. Here's where I think we fail them the most as a culture. Um, not because of what we say, because I think we're pretty good at, at teaching kids to respect authority. It's in what we do. Um, so I've been saying this for years, ever since the Obama administration, through the Trump administration, now through the Biden administration, that we as a culture do not respect authority. And we trash our presidents. We trash our government. Last time you got pulled over by a cop, and that cop inevitably gave you a ticket and drove away, did you have nice things to say about that cop? Probably not. Were your kids in the car with you? Maybe. Whenever you come home from a long day of work and your boss isn't being the most uh, generous uh, boss in the world, what do you say about him? What do your kids hear you say about your boss? What do your kids hear you say about your government, about the leaders in the church? If you are a person that does not want to respect the president or the government or the authority, and by the way, that doesn't mean agree with them. There's a difference between agreeing with someone and respecting someone. Those are two different things. I'm talking about respect. Um, if you're a person who doesn't respect the president, um, government, boss, uh, and different types of authorities in your life, that's fine. But don't be surprised when your kid doesn't respect them either. Don't be surprised when your kid comes home and he got in trouble because he yelled back at the teacher or disobeyed the, the principal or disobeyed your spouse or disobeys you. Don't be surprised at that because they are just modeling the example that you gave them. We could go through a couple of other ones, but alas, we don't, we don't have time. If you want your child to be disciplined, you need to be disciplined yourself. So discipline yourself more than your child. All right, let's keep going. Uh, number two, uh, second parenting principle is don't parent in a vacuum. Um, meaning like, like whenever you parent, don't isolate yourself off from everyone else. And, and I've talked about this a number of times before, so we're going to skim through this one pretty quick. But I think it bears repeating because there's certain topics in our culture that, that we just do not want advice on. 
So like one is money. You do what you want to do with money, but do not tell me how to use my money. Another is parenting. You parent your kid how you want to, but do not tell me how to parent my kid. Now, the problem with this is, is that never in the Bible does it say it's a good idea to, to close yourself off from advice and from counsel and other people. Now, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying listen to every single person who gives you advice. Like if I'm at Walmart and someone comes up and says, hey, your kid's doing this and you do this, I'm probably gonna be like, I don't know who you are and walk off the other way. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is the Bible encourages us and, and um, I would almost say borderline commands us to open up our lives to the people around us to get advice from the people around us. Um, Proverbs 15.22 says this. It says, Plans fail when there is no counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. Now, I could have substituted this one out with a dozen other texts that talk about um, getting counsel and advice and how it's foolishness uh, to, to isolate yourself, but I think this one works pretty well because it says plans fail where there is no counsel. You have a plan for your child. We all do. Like we want our children to grow up and we want our children to be healthy and functional and have great social lives and to get married one day and to have kids and have a good job. We want all that for our kids. That's our plan for our kids. If you, if this verse means anything to you, if you say, I have all these plans for my kids and then lock yourself off and say, I'm not going to let anyone help me in this, those plans will fail. It won't go the way that you think it will. But it also says that if you have those plans and you decide to open up yourself to the council around you, to let some people, to, to peer the door open and let people peek in and have a little bit of a say in what's going on, all of a sudden your plans will succeed because you're getting perspective. If it's left up to just me to parent my daughter, oh boy, um, she's going to have a hard time. I need people to help speak into my life and to help me raise my daughter. That's a, a great example of this. So, so we really push small groups for this reason. Like this right here is good. Uh, I think it's good that we gather together uh, and that um, the pastors come and, and bring you God's word. But this can't be the only thing that we do. We need um, more than just, and the Bible calls us to do more than just listen to God's word, but to share in God's word and to, to encourage each other and, and 50 other one another's in the Bible about this. And, and in small groups, it's the perfect place because you can gather around a few other people and say, hey, this is what's going on in my life. And they can look into that who know you well and say, yeah, I think this is where things are going wrong. A great example of this is um, this past week, um, the, the young marriage group that me and my wife are part of got together for a hangout and to grill. And uh, at the end of the night, all the dads were just sitting around in a group um, and we were just talking about how inadequate we are as fathers and how much better our wives are uh, at parenting uh, than we are. And by the way, women, you are. Like if you haven't heard that today, you are much better parents than we are. And, I, and that is a gift. Uh, don't let anyone belittle that. Um, like I look at my wife and how she parents and the patience she has, and I'm like, man, I wish I had that. But we were gathering around and we were talking about the struggles that we had as, as dads and 
And it's interesting, we, we went you know, one by one, and, and this is what's going on. This is the biggest struggle that I've had, and this is how um, I've uh, tried to overcome that and stuff like that. And it was great for two reasons. One, I didn't feel alone. Uh, I didn't feel like I'm the only one that's ever had to apologize to my baby. Um, and two, it opens up perspective of um, here's how you handled it. We need that. We need that, guys. The Bible calls us to that. If you are a person that says, don't tell me how to parent my kid, I encourage you, find some people in your life that you might open the door a little bit and let them peer into your life. Again, if, if someone in Walmart came up and said something to me, I, I wouldn't take it seriously. But if someone in my small group who, who knows me pretty well, who's seen me interact with my wife a lot, who's seen me interact with my child a lot, if they come up to me and say, hey, we're seeing this, and, and we don't think that that's God's best for you, I'm going to listen at that point. Don't parent in a vacuum. Uh, allow people in your life. All right, so the, those are the first two parenting principles. The last parenting principle that I want to hit is um, your child needs you to raise them. Your child needs you to raise them. Uh, Ephesians uh, 6.4, our passage for today, says this, Fathers, don't stir up anger in your children, but bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now, I could spend a good deal of time on that first half of that, of fathers, don't stir up anger in your children. And I don't think it's any surprise that put fathers there. Um, uh, usually it's not my wife that's having to apologize to her baby. Usually it's me. Um, so I could spend a good time on that, but I'm going to spend the majority of time on that second half. But bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. God has specifically placed you in your child's life. Like the Bible tells us that, that God has formed the baby in the womb. And it is no mistake that your child is your child. And God has placed this weighty, glorious responsibility in your life to raise up your children. And, and don't, don't skirt that off on someone else. Don't skirt that off on something else or some organization. It's your responsibility to raise your kid, and your kid needs you to raise them. Um, there's lots of good uh, institutions and, and organizations out there to aid you in this. So like the church is a good thing. And bringing your kid to children's Sunday school or youth programs or Awanas, um, those are good things. But it's not their parent. The church isn't their parent. Schools are a good thing. It's just not their parent. The government is a thing. It's definitely not their parents. If you hand your child over to the government and expect them to raise your kid, oh man, God help us all what comes out the other side of that. I think we have a problem all the way dating back to Adam where we have this tendency to just skirt responsibility and not take the things that God has given us in that. Don't do that, parents. Your child needs you to raise them. Now, more than ever. I was, I was talking to a, a couple yesterday at the marriage conference, uh, and we were just talking on the topic of um, uh, technology and kids these days and how to kind of navigate um, that path. And, and man, if you have a child who's a teen or like an older kid, um, I have all the empathy in the world for you right now. Man, y'all, the cards are stacked against you. Well, let me just tell you that. Um, it, with the, the introduction of um, things like this, 
and the widespread accessibility of this and the, the internet they can get onto and how, uh, did you know this, that even if you close down the internet, like, like let's say you block that app and you can only allow them to get YouTube or TikTok, Lord help us all, um, if you only allow them those certain apps, know that any app on this phone is just a gateway to the internet. That it's not just Safari that takes them to the internet. That as much of the filth and evilness that is in the internet is also in YouTube and TikTok and Instagram. Be aware, parents. Um, so uh, mentioned, so Gen Z is the younger generation in the schools right now. And uh, that generation has kind of been referred to at times as the guinea pig generation. And I mentioned this to, to you before a while ago that the reason they're called the guinea pig generation is because they are the first generation that has been raised up solely without knowing a life other than technology, right? So like, like I, like internet, computers, phones, social media took off when I was about 15 or so. And so I know a life without that. These kids don't. Now here's the thing is that when you throw a child into that world, unguided, it's not going to go well. So the, let me just throw out an example. So when I was in school, we had a pretty good idea of who was popular and who wasn't, right? Um, so like you, you, you kind of knew your status a little bit and you would kind of you know, place yourself accordingly. These days, there is a numerical value assigned to that. Like if you have an Instagram profile, you know, X, you know that you have X amount of friends and you have X amount of people following you and X amount of people that you're following. Every time you post a picture, you have an X amount of likes, which is already hard enough for adults to process that, but for a child to process that is even harder. Throw on top of that, that you have, not only can you see your numerical value of how much people like you, you can see other people's numerical value of how much they're liked. So take that world and throw a 13-year-old girl who desperately uh, is seeking to be loved and desperately seeking attention and then adding those numerical values onto that. How do you think that's going to go? Probably not super well. And so it doesn't... Um, Surprise me at all um, whenever you have uh, young girls um, or even young guys see that these other people are posting things and that's getting a lot of attention. And so it doesn't surprise me at all when someone who um, is going through adolescence and desperately wants the acceptance of their peers more than their leaders will see what's getting attention and then start to move themselves in that direction towards what's getting attention. Parents, your kids need you to raise them. They need you to be involved in their life. They may not like it, but they need you to uh, know how to process this. They need you to explain to them that your worth isn't found in how many people like you. Your worth isn't found in how many um, shares your posts get or how many views your video get, but your, your worth is found in Jesus. That's what we need to teach them. And I think somewhere along the way, um, we've just handed our phones off to our kids and said, here, we'll let the internet raise them. And again, if, if the studies coming out are any indication of how that's working for us, how the younger generation is more anxious and depressed than ever before, 
it's showing us that it's not good. And so parents, you need to raise your kid. And, and, and what that may mean is that you may need to monitor more closely what they're doing. It may mean that you need to learn how this thing works because the little monitoring guidelines that you set up on there, they found a way around it in about five seconds. You may need to read their messages and who they're talking to. You may need to delete some apps from their phone. Now, you might respond to me and say, but they'll hate me if I do that. Your job isn't for your kid to like you. Your job, <laughs> there we go. Your job is to raise your kid. So much nudging is going on right now. The kids, okay. Your job isn't to keep the peace in your household. Your job is to raise your kid in the instruction and the training of the Lord. If my goal at my house was to keep the peace all the time, here's what I would do. I would get a large bowl of cheddar bunnies and I would set it in the middle of the floor and I would put Baby Shark on repeat on the TV. My house would be a, I wouldn't hear a baby cry all day. But is that what's best for? No. And I know uh, after we've watched Baby Shark for the third time, uh, and by the way, Baby Shark has this weird hypnotizing effect on children. I don't get it. Uh, but uh, if Lottie's upset, you put Baby Shark on there, so all of a sudden she's like, da, 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 da. Okay, anyways. <laughs> I know that the moment we turn off the TV after Baby Shark is played, she's going to start crying. I know it. Does that stop me from turning off the TV? No. Because I know that while she might be upset in this moment, what's more important than her being happy is her being raised up. There's a verse in Hebrews 12, 11 that says this. It says, no discipline seems enjoyable at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Parents, a short-term um, fix is to let your kid have whatever they want. But it's short-term. A long-term peace in your life, a long-term fix in, in their life and in your life is to discipline them when it's necessary and to um, monitor and guide them when it's necessary. Because again, they need it. And they're not going to be on board with that, right? Because whenever you raise your kid up in the Lord, that means that you're going to bring discipline and instruction on there. And whenever discipline and instruction butts up against sinful nature, what's going to happen? Sinful nature is going to buck right back at you. We do the same thing. But that shouldn't stop you from doing it. Raise your kid up in the Lord. Your kid needs you to raise them. Your kid needs you to know um, how to get through this life. And the great thing is, is that we have uh, just a perfect example of this in God our Father. So just a few verses before uh, Hebrews 12, it says this in, in Hebrews 12, 5. It says, my son, do not take the Lord's discipline lightly or lose heart when you're reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and punishes every son he receives. God, who is a perfect father, who loves us deeply, who wants to give us good things, knows that there's times that discipline is the necessary action. 
And let's just put parenting aside for just a second. If you've walked into this room and you feel the weight of the Lord on your life, if you feel the weight of conviction of the Spirit on your life, know that that's the Lord loving you. That's the Lord seeking to get your attention. And, and he's not being mean, and he's not trying to steal your joy or fun. He's trying um, to discipline you because he loves you, and he knows on the other side of that is a harvest of righteousness. And so parenting aside, if you've come in here today and you feel like God is convicting you, that's a good thing, and you're in the right place for that. Know that uh, God's not mad at you, and God uh, isn't trying to um, just uh, ruin your life, but just like uh, us parents sometimes discipline our kids, we're doing it because we love them, and we are just waiting for them to come back to us with a humble heart of repentance. And that's the same thing for you. If you've just been running from God, and you're feeling his discipline, know that that's him calling you back and saying, hey, I'm here for you. I'm, I'm here to comfort you. I'm here to help you. Don't ignore that. We have a perfect um, example of what a good father is and what a good God is. We should follow that example. Let me pray that we do. Lord, I thank you uh, for bringing us here, and I thank you, God, that, um, that, that you are true and that you are good and that you give us the example of what it means to be a good parent. And so, God, I pray um, as we uh, go about our lives, God, that you would be um, at work in us, and that, again, that we would just yield ourselves um, to who you are and to what you have for us, that we wouldn't think that our cultural understanding of life, which has been here for about 25 years, that that somehow compares to your infinite knowledge and glory. Lord, I pray that we would just know who we are in comparison to you. And that because of that, we would humble ourselves before you and listen. God, I pray for anyone in this room who, who is having the weight of conviction on their life because they've been running from you. God, that they would feel your love for them right now. God, that they would know that you're not mad at them that you're not ready to just toss them in hell, but you're, you're calling them to a relationship with you like a good father does. We're gonna have a time of invitation. And in this time, um, we wanna just give you the opportunity to do whatever you need to do. Maybe you just need to pray where you are. Maybe pray with your spouse, with your kids. Maybe you wanna come up to the altar and pray. Maybe you need prayer. Maybe you want someone to pray with you. We'd love to pray with you. Maybe you want to know more about who uh, this Jesus is, who this, who this good father is that we talk about, that we sing about. We'd love to share with you more about that too. If we can stand up together, let's go ahead and stand. And we're going to sing this song. And, and, and during this time that we're singing, this is just for you. You do whatever you need to do. We're here for you.